Amen, amen. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Joe. Would you guys give them a hand really quick? They're doing an awesome job, I think. Every Sunday ministering to us. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate you guys. And also, let me say that, Austin, Gary, you guys are doing an amazing job with softball. Everyone else who's helping, thank you so much helping us to reach the community and uh, helping children to get outside. Man, I have two little children, and praise God the weather is good again. <laughs> like, we just went to the playground yesterday, and like, all the parents, all the children were out. Because, man, lockdown is not fun sometimes, and COVID is not fun. And having seen the children outside is a great thing, man, I'm telling you. So, let's start this morning. Let me just get to my passage. Today, we want to talk and speak again on the topic of prayer. Um, I've started, I think it was December, the first time I started speaking and teaching on the topic of prayer. And uh, my goal is almost every time when I preach to continue to speak on the topic. So today we will. And uh, before we get started, let's just bow our heads real quick and pray. And then let's start with the service. God, we, we come to you this morning. God, we rest in your presence. God, thank you for the worship, God. Thank you for the praise and the adoration that we can offer to your holy name, God. Jesus, thank you for the cross this morning. God, we behold you in faith this morning. We want to praise you. We want to praise your holy name, Jesus. God with us, Emmanuel, God, thank you that you're in our midst this morning, Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you for your loving kindness, for your mercy that never fails, for your love that never fails, for your grace that is sufficient. God, we thank you this morning that you died for us on the cross of Golgotha. Jesus, thank you. God, for your blood that you spilled so that we will be clean, that we call the righteousness of, the, of God today. God, we just want to thank you this morning. We'll enter into your house with praise and thanksgiving this morning, Jesus. We we'll give you all praise and all honor, God. We behold you in your glory, the testimony of who you are, Jesus. We say thank you. As you know us, God, thank you that every single one who came this morning, that you sent them here for a reason, Jesus. God, thank you that you have a word for us ready this morning, Jesus. God, I pray would you strengthen our hearts this morning, would you strengthen our faith this morning, God. God, when we are, while we're here in this place, God, you would speak to us, God. God, we would get to know you and have another first glimpse of who you are, Jesus. God, we say today with our hearts longing for you, Jesus, we say, Lord, come and meet us here this morning. Meet us here in this hall, God. Meet us here at Salt Rock, Jesus. For we long for you, we desire you, for you are better than silver and gold, Jesus. We just want you. We long for your nearness, Jesus. We just long for you to be with us this morning. Can I pray, would you come and bless this word this morning? Would you bless this sermon? Would you bless this service, God? And transform us as we listen to you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I've seen a, a couple new faces already this morning. 
So for those who don't know me yet, my name is, my name is Darius Bauer, and I'm, I'm German, so you'll realize it very quickly. There's some words you might think like, oh, he pronounced it kind of strange. That's because I'm from Germany. And uh, I was even just listening when, uh, when Tristan said, we need someone, we need people to be coaches. Man, yes, like sign up for it, like sign up to be coaches. But I was, I thought for myself, Tristan, you're going to have a hard job with me trying to teach those kids playing softball. I had to look up the ball when I made the advertisement for it. Like, what kind of ball do you use for softball? Right? So I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm the perfect pitch for that. I can come and teach a little bit, but man, I think the kids will not be happy with me if I teach them how to play softball. So you guys have to sign up for being coaches. I'm sure you're going to do a great job. All right. So if you have your Bible with you, would you go with me to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians 1, 15 to 21. We can also bring it up on a slide here. Ephesians 1, 15 to 21. As I already said, I want to speak again this morning on the topic of prayer. It really is my heart to see us as believers and as a house of the Lord to become a house of prayer because that is who we're called to be, friends. I'm always saying that, but friends, I think we need to walk further and further in that identity, being a house of prayer, being a house of the presence of the Lord, being someone who can call down fire from heaven like Elijah did. I know it sounds kind of strange, but I do believe we have faith to move mountains. Amen? We have faith to move mountains in Jesus' name. And this morning I want to read with us the, the apostolic prayer that Paul the Apostle prayed for the believers and the church in Ephesus. So let's read it together real quick. Ephesians 1, 15 to 21. And Paul says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, one of the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to, the, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. I'm going to stop here. The prayer goes on, but I want to stop here at this place. So as I said, it's a prayer from Paul. Paul prayed it for the believers in Ephesus, but I do firmly believe that this prayer is found in the Bible, and God in His sovereignty decided that it would be written down in His Word, and this prayer is for us today too, that we can learn something from this prayer. And I believe one of the things the Lord wants to teach us through this prayers that He wants you and I to know without a shadow of a doubt 
that he wants us to know him more. Every day, they will continually get to know him. Friends, when we meet Jesus, truly meet Jesus the first time, that's when salvation happens. When you meet Jesus in your life, I don't know like what day it was in your life, but I remember the day when I was saved, I know I truly met Jesus and I was saved. But transformation and change comes when we continually get to know who Jesus is. When we meet Jesus, we get saved. But change and transformation, or the theological term sanctification happens when we get to know who Jesus is on a daily and continual basis. Because we want, to be, we want to be changed into the image of Christ. We want to be transformed. We want to change how we walk. But if, if we just start the race like a runner and we just bridge the, the, the starting line and we just stay there, we will never experience how the full race will feel like. We will never experience like the greatness how it is when thousands of people, hopefully, cheer you on from the, from the sides and they shout at you like, go faster, go harder. But if we just stay at the starting line, Amen. <laughs> if you just stay at the starting line, we will never experience the great fullness that we are destined to be and to know. And friends, the thing is, it always comes down to the place. You become the person like the other people you're hanging out with. If you hang out with bad people, if they're your influence in your life, you will become a bad person. I know my own life, and I was hanging out with the, the hooligans and soccer and all the fanatics, you know, beating other people up. I remember I became more and more aggressive myself because that's the whole time the people I was hanging out with. But if I hang out with good people... I become like them. If I hang out with people of integrity, I become a man of integrity. If I, if I hang out with Gary working out like six times a week, I hope they're going to look like him one day. I know Gary already left. He's probably like, oh, no, here it is. My friend, I got you. If we hang out with a certain kind of people, that's what we become like. If we hang out with the devil the whole time in our lives, man, we become like little devils. If we hang out with Jesus, we become like Jesus. Amen? We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to focus on the people we want to hang out with. We, and mainly we need to focus to hang out with Jesus. We need to meet and encounter Jesus in his word. And last week, Pastor Mike preached an awesome message on, the, on Satan's battle plan. And really what I think spoke to me so much was the point when he talked about that we have to be renewed with truth and we need to be renewed, that we have to renew our mind and our thinking daily to renew ourselves and fill ourselves with truth. Right? That is the main way how we will change our lifestyle, friends. Like just what I said, if you hang out with people, you know, that are bad, you become bad. If you fill your mind with truth of the word, your mind, your thoughts will start to change. You will not thinking about yourself anymore. Oh, I'm such a bad, sinful person, 
But if you know the truth in Christ, it is. You are son of the Lord. You are son of Jesus. You are son of God. Sin has no toll anymore. Shame is gone. If you sin and you always think, I'm so shameful, then friends, these are not the thoughts of God over you. God's thoughts are the following. He looks at you and He sees you and He says, in you is the righteousness of God. It's not the shame that I see, but I will put honor and glory upon you. Friends, that's what truth is. It's found in the Word of God. And my hope this morning as we go through this prayer is that this prayer would become so dear to your heart because I do believe it is one of the greatest prayers we can find in the Bible. I hope this prayer would become a prayer that you would pray every day. It's probably one of the main prayers I've probably prayed hundreds if not thousands of times in my own life. Because it's, it's a need, it, recognizing the need for Jesus to reveal himself. For the spirit of wisdom and revelation to blow in my life and make things alive in me that are dead. Because I'm destined for life in Jesus. You are destined for life in Jesus. So let's go. What we want to do this morning is we really just go phrase by phrase through this prayer. And then there are going to be not a lot of other passages. So in your word, stay in Ephesians 1. We're just going to go phrase by phrase through this prayer. And hope it will encourage you guys this morning. So let's start with the first phrase. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now the first thing I want to highlight here, friends, is this. Paul said, man, I've heard of your great faith. I heard of your great love. I know it. All of Asia, modern-day Turkey, everyone knows of Ephesus, the church, how great it is. It's kind of like if you would say to the Passion Church down Atlanta, everyone knows how great their conferences and how big their conferences are. But let me tell you something. I still have to pray for you. I do not cease to pray for you. It doesn't matter how awesome we are, how, you know, if I'm a pastor or not, a preacher or not, a missionary or not, it doesn't matter where I am. I still need your prayers, friends. Your pastor needs your prayers. You are able to give your pastor wings to dream big, to have great faith. This is what the prayers of the congregation can do. So Paul says, I do not cease to pray. I do not cease to remember you in my prayers. And the first thing I want to highlight here is remembering you in my prayers. And it was just like the little thought I had when I read that. I was like, man, friends, imagine how awesome it would be if you would have someone in your life of whom you would know that he prays for you literally every day. He would cover you every day. He would not stop thinking about you. In the morning, 8 a.m., you would get a text message every day like, hey man, I'm thinking of you today. I'm just praying for you. I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. I'm praying for you for your marriage. I'm praying for your family, for your children. I'm praying for you for this and for that. Imagine how cool that actually would be if you have someone in your life who would be like the whole time just praying for you, covering you. And man, the feeling I just had was like, how awesome would it be if we would have small groups in our church that would commit to one another and say, I will pray for you every day. 
There will be a group of like four or five men, four or five women who commit and say, I will pray for you, I promise you. Because man, have you ever caught yourself telling someone, hey, I'm going to pray for you, and you actually don't pray for them afterwards? I've caught myself so many times doing that, but actually not doing it. So imagine how cool it would be if we would have groups of, of people that not a single person in this church would not be covered by prayer every day. I believe, I believe our past would have so much less problems because everything we are, everything, our issues, we don't have to bring to him anymore because it's just being covered by prayer and God answers our prayer and so we're being transformed and all our things and our issues are just fading away because God answers our prayers. God, I feel if we, if we were to transform this church to be like faithful church, faithful church, let's pray for one another. Pray for one another every day. Let's move on to the next phrase. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Man, this is a, this is a big thing. I do not cease to give thanks for you every day. Friends, if you, have, if you, have, if you feel sometimes in your prayer times like you cannot connect with God, who, who has experienced that? Am I the only person... Like, you cannot connect with God today. I'm just like, man, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, I don't know what to pray today. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what your words to use. Do my words sound good enough for God's ears or not? Man, I had so many times where I'm just like, I don't feel like I can connect and pray with God right now, so I'm just going to leave it. No. Friends, if we cannot feel like we cannot connect with God, one of the biggest keys, I believe, to connect with God it's through thanksgiving and praise. If we have a heart of thanksgiving and praise, it is one of the main keys I believe you will enter into the presence of God in your prayer life. You will experience a resurrection in your prayer life. You know why? Because when we make God great in our mind, when we make God great in our heart, then it's when our faith is starting to rise. It stirs our faith when I see and talk about who God is and how great He is. It stirs faith in my heart. And all of a sudden, prayer becomes easy because I'm looking at the one who's big and He's bigger than all my issues and I can all bring them to Him and He will take them away. God is bigger than our issues and our problems. And when we make Him bigger than he, our issues, He will be able to help us with them. Now let me guys give you like a quick, a quick help. One of the greatest places you can go if you feel like you don't connect with God is a psalm. Have you ever done that? Like, I don't know what to pray today and I feel it and I don't know what to do and how to say it. I'm just going to go to a psalm and I'm just going to read it. Now let me give you one of my favorite psalms. It's actually, it's not on the slide. But in Psalm 97, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him, burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshippers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worth. Worthless idols, worship him all you gods. 
Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all other gods. Man, friends, when I read that, I'm just getting so excited because I know who God is. He is greater than all the other gods. I will praise Him. I will sing to Him. I will be thankful to the Lord. This just like stirs my heart. And in this moment, I just like read that. I'm like, man, all of a sudden, like prayer, let's just continue to pray right now. Let's just like move on and be like, Lord, you are so much better. You're so much better than everybody, all my problems. Man, I praise you and exalt you. Friends, psalms usher you into the presence of the Lord. It makes your heart rejoice and makes prayer become easy. Tristan and I, we, we've been starting a little, a little prayer meeting on Wednesdays. We just come together, sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes for two hours. And we just pray together. And you know, the, the beautiful thing that is, I feel, you know, even when we go long times, it's not boring. It is not exhausting, but it's actually so refreshing. You know, like we, we, we just like start up and pray and we just like exalt God for who He is. We tell Him how much we love Him. Then we just enter into times of praying in a session for what the Lord puts on our hearts. And then afterwards we go back into praise and thanksgiving, telling the Lord how much we love Him. But the thing is that thankfulness and praise will help you to have enjoyable times of prayer. It will give you the strength to have prolonged times of prayer because, the, because thankfulness and praise will rejuvenate your heart. If you look at Jesus, it will rejuvenate your heart because sometimes, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes when I just like use my prayer list and I go down my list and you know, pray all the points, I'm just like, after my third point, I'm done. I'm like, well, that was enough for today, I think. But the Lord is asking you and I that we would tarry with Him. We would tarry with Him for one another hour. Praise and thanksgiving is your key to this, friends. Let's move on to the next phrase, the Father of glory. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. This phrase, friends, is like such a, a deep well of revelation where it almost feels like I don't even know how to talk about this. It's like trying to explain someone, the uncreated God of glory who existed before time. Wait, we all know time, but how can you explain to someone a being who was before time when no time was created? When God was existing everlasting before the sun and the moon were created, there was someone there, but I can't explain you who that is. But God helps us by revealing His glory to us. And so I want to try to define a little bit what is glory? What is God's glory? I think God's glory basically is, it's His awesomeness. It's His power. It's His mercy. It's His unending and never failing love. It's His grace. It's His character of who He is. It's His name. It's His person. It's everything about God is put, made visible and put on display that we could see and behold Him. This is the glory of God. God's glory is when you look at the galaxies, when you look at the moon and the stars that He has ordained. Man, I love Covington. When I look sometimes up in the night and I look up into Covington sky, it is so beautiful. 
And every time I just stand in awe and I'm like, wow, how great is God? How great is the one who ordained the rising of the sun and the setting? How great is this God who made all of these things, who measures the waters in the palm of his hand? How great is the God? And it just makes me stand in awe and in the fear of the Lord and look at him and be like, you're so good, Jesus. You're so awesome, creator of the universe. It is all his character is put on display in all of creation. When you look at the animals, when you look at how you are created, your anatomy, all these things, like there's so many scientists who come up every other year like, man, I've never known that there's another galaxy far above the galaxy above the galaxy. As a matter of fact, the Big Bang is not really real because there's so many other galaxies and we don't know how it works. You know what I'm saying? There are like so many things that make God so great as if you just look at it. And all these things declare His glory. The angels stand before God and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the earth is what? Full of His glory. They declare His character. He's holy. And His character is displayed in the earth. And the earth is full of His glory. If you look at the earth in creation, it's a testimony of God's never-ending power, His, creati His, cre His creativity. Everything He is is displayed here on the earth. It's His glory testifying. It says the moon and the stars give praise to Him. Right? If we don't praise, if, we don't, if the man don't shout and praise to God, who will cry out? The rocks will cry out. They will still testify if we don't have time to do it. All creation declares His glory. All the stories you read in the Bible, man, it's all a testimony of how awesome God is. He's the God of Abraham who promised to a barren wife to have a son and an heir. And he was not too short to fulfill his promise, but he broke in just in time. Even when their faith failed, when Sarah said, I don't believe this can happen, God still was not too short. He was not delaying. He broke in with power and made a barren womb come alive. Friend, I want to tell you even today, I believe even if you feel death in your life, God wants to make it come alive in you again. He wants to make you come alive in Him I believe there are times when we are like Lazarus dead in the tomb, but Jesus standing at the door and saying, Lazarus, come out of your tomb and be alive. There are times in our lives where we are dead, but Jesus is there who resurrects us. Especially in these times of COVID and whatever it is, God is here to resurrect our hearts and our lives, our prayer times. He's the God of Joshua to conquer the Canaan, to conquer the Canaanites. He gives victory to those who trust and fear the Lord. He's the God of David who helped him and said, Oh, the Lord Almighty is with me. And he took down the giant. Friends, with the Lord we can take down giants. There's no mountain to big, no sin to great, no pattern in your life to, to big for you or for the Lord. He's ready to take down that mountain with you. He fights on your behalf. He's the God who became flesh of the mercy of the Lord. Praise God that He became flesh. Without the, without the Lord, we would all be dead in sin. We would all be dead and lost without Jesus. 
But by Him becoming flesh, He displayed His mercy. He displayed His love for you. He displayed His everlasting grace. This is put on display that we can all see. It's the glory of God put on display that we can see it. He's the God of Pentecost. Oh, one of my favorite things in the world. He's the God who brought down His Holy Spirit so that we would live in victory and power over sin. He's the God who came out to us to meet us in this place. He's the God of Peter and John when they walked to the temple and when they said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give to you. Oh, rise up and walk crippled for Jesus here in this place. God, Jesus here in this place today and I believe He is here and He wants to make you walk again. He wants to lift you up from your burden. He wants to lift you and make you rise up from your burdens and from your hole. He wants to pull you up and say, it is time to walk in faith. It is time to walk, time to walk in faith and lay down every other burden. He's your God. He's your God today. Friends, you are testimony of the glory of God. Who can say, I'm a testimony of God here this morning? Who can say that? I hope everyone, because the Lord saved you. The Lord saved you. He brought you out of sin. You are a testimony of God's glory. You are a testimony, my friend. This is who God is. This is God's glory, His testimony. Why is it so important? Because when we have a picture of a big God, we will pray big prayers. If we let God come out of the box that we put Him in and let Him be as awesome and magnificent as He is, friends, your prayer life will change. It's not a question of will the Lord do it, but it's like, no, I'm partnering with the God Almighty, the God of the universe, with His heart. And we will see revival coming to Covington. It's His heart, it's His passion, it's His zeal to see revival and to see salvation coming, friends. Let's move on to the, to the next phrase. We just talked about the, the Father of glory, who He is. Move on to the next phrase, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the one who's awesome in power, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, Christ Jesus. What is the spirit of wisdom? I believe the spirit of wisdom is the Holy Spirit imparting wisdom to every believer who asks for it. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us how to live our lives and the the key word is how. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom how to live our lives. Spirit of wisdom, come and teach me everything that I know about Jesus. Take my knowledge that I know about Jesus and show me how to live it out. Teach me everything I read in the Word, all the knowledge I have. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom how to apply it in my daily life. Because friends, the matter of the fact is this. We can be smart and have a lot of knowledge, but we still do stupid stuff. <laughs> we can do, still do a lot of stuff in our lives. We're like, oh, I wish I would not have done that. 
We can have a lot of knowledge and be very smart, still do things that are not right. And I don't know who follow, who follow these things or heard it, but there lately have been a lot of great men of God, or who we thought were great men of God, who fell in sin, things came out, things were being revealed in public about sexual harassment and all the other things. Friends, but they, they had knowledge of God. They knew who He was, yet still they made wrong decisions. That's when you need, you and I, when we need a spirit of wisdom and be like, Lord, I know a lot of things, but honestly, I don't know how to do it practically sometimes. I don't know. I need you, Jesus, to show me. Spirit of wisdom teaches you how to live your life. Move on. Spirit of revelation. What is the spirit of revelation? The spirit of revelation shows you who Jesus is, and it gives you the why behind the what or the how, as we just said. It is when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, when we look at him, all the question marks of like, why do I need to love my, my neighbor today? That question will be no more. Man, his dog just put on my yard. Why do I have to love this guy? Lord. Have you ever experienced that? Like my neighbor, someone just like drove over his yard. Man, I think this guy is like really mad right now because someone drove with the truck over his yard. I know how holy the grass is in Georgia for many people. Where's Blake? <laughs> Blake, you got a great yard. The spirit of revelation reveals Jesus to us, who he is, and then it gives us the why, the reason why we're supposed to love our neighbors, the reason why we're supposed to go to the one who's outcast in our classroom, to the one who sits there by himself and doesn't know if he has friends or not. Jesus is the reason why we do the things we do. Friends, I believe if we would have just one glimpse in the audience of Jesus, there would be, never be a question again of why we're supposed to live holy and blameless lives. Just one glimpse of his eyes of fire, I think will be enough to silence every other question in your life. He'll be like, Lord, I'm just so consumed with you. I just want to live holy. But let's be real. It's a struggle. And we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation and pray for it and ask for it. Ask for your friends that the Lord would help us. Amen? Let's move on. The hope of our calling what is the hope of our calling? That, God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. It's going it's to be... <laughs> no worries. Sometimes God calls too, man. <laughs> It's going to be the last point, and we'll wrap it up with this last point. I don't have time to go through the whole prayer, but what is the hope of our calling? What is the hope we have in Jesus, friends? I said it in the past in, in other sermons, hope for us is most often associated with the maybe something great is going to happen. Maybe something good is going to happen. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not going to get a ticket because I just like drove 30 miles too fast, like down on the road. 
Like, hopefully nobody will see me when I cheat. Like, hopefully, you know, this or that will happen. It's just like, ah, maybe it's going to happen. Hopefully, God, do it, Lord. Right? Like, I remember so vividly when I had my final exams in Germany, man. There was, a, there was one topic, economics, economics. And, man, it was worth three years of material. It was laws I had to memorize. There was no, you know, like... Um, you know, where you just do like the question and answer, like, what do you guys do? Like, it's just like you make a tick or something like that. No, you have to write down all your answers. If you miss a word, you're done. Like, you don't get the points. <laughs> That's how we do things in Germany. So I had to learn all this stuff of, th- of three years. And I, but honestly, the day before the exam, I kind of felt good. I was like, man, I got this. I got this down. I think I'm going to get some good grade tomorrow. Matter of fact was, I sucked. <laughs> it was not good. My hope disappointed. My hope failed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think we all had times in our lives where there was just something we were so hopeful for and it didn't work out. I mean, there are some of you guys in high school, you might have a, you know, have a crush on a girl, but it's not happening. She doesn't like you. Sorry. You know, your hope failed. <laughs> I'll pray for you guys. You will all find a great wife one day. <laughs> Your parents are praying for you. Bring home a godly, mo- uh, godly wife. We all know hope that fails, right? We all know it. But the hope of Christ is a hope that will not fail. The hope of Christ will not fail you. Why? Because his love will never fail. Because his love never fails, his hope will never fail. It's a steadfast, steadfast assurance and faith. The hope that we have in Jesus. It's a hope that Jesus will come back. This is our great hope. There is a day, friend, where Jesus will come back and when he will catch you up in the sky and you will be no, never ever again separated from Jesus Christ Sin will be no war. Your tears will be wiped away. You will be with Jesus forever. Amen? You will be with Jesus forever. This is a hope. There's a day when Jesus comes back. If I'm alive or dead, it doesn't matter. Uh, friends, if you are, you know, if you hit those 90s or 100s, you know, the time is getting close, I want to tell you, don't be scared. But the moment, I believe, when you will close your eyes, that you will see Jesus the very moment you close it. It will be another blink. You open your eyes and you will, you will see Jesus. You will stand in the audience of the Holy One. The one you have loved for the rest of your, one you have loved your whole life. Friends, there's so much hope that we have in Jesus. You know also what gives me hope? It's in Hebrews 4. It says that Jesus can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. And he will come to us and give us grace and mercy in the times of need. Friends, how good is it to have someone who can sympathize with you? Have you ever felt or heard someone say, you just don't know what it feels like to be like that. You just don't know. You never walk in my shoes. You never, you don't know who I am. You don't have the same family as I do. You cannot sympathize with me. Why are you blaming me for things? Like, you don't know how it feels like. Have you ever heard someone say that? Maybe, you, maybe you've said it yourself. But let me tell you this. 
someone who can sympathize with you. There is one who knows how it feels to walk like you walked. There's one who knows how it feels to be tempted. There's one who knows all of your days, your ins and outs, your struggles, the, the problem with your flesh. There's one and his name is Jesus, friends. And he's there to sympathize with you, not to be a taskmaster or a slave master and whip you because you fail again. He's there in a time of need and says, I have grace and mercy in store for you. Stand up, my son. Stand up, my daughter. Oh, this is a God who's on your side, friends. Our God is on our side and He's with you. He can sympathize with you. This is the hope that I have and why I know I will make it to the finish line, you guys. I know today I will make it to the finish line when Jesus comes back because He will keep me. He knows my ways and I just have to come to Jesus in a time of need. What a great hope we have in Jesus our Savior. Amen? Let's wrap it up here. I think that's even sometimes moments in our lives where we feel like even God failed us. Have you ever experienced that? You're questioning, you're asking yourself, why did God let that happen? Why in the world? Friends, first of all, don't feel bad to question God because He has all your answers. <laughs> He's not intimidated by your questions. And I don't even think He will feel bad because He knows where we're coming from. Again, He can sympathize. Sometimes we, 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 we lose hope even in God, but you know what? Even if things fail in my own history with Jesus, I know He always has a bigger plan. And even though it doesn't work out right now, I know He has a bigger plan for my life, and I know that for all those who trust in the Lord, everything will work out for the good. Those who love Him, it will work out for the good. He is with me. Even if I think God left me, He has not left me. It's just a process to get me to the finish line. He has a great plan for your life. He has a great plan for your family. He has a great plan for Covington. He has a great plan for America, even though the elections might not happen like you wanted it to be. God still has a great plan, amen? God still has a great plan for America in store. Whatever party is in power, God has no party. God is God, and His party is the kingdom and the church of Christ. God has a great plan for us who believe and love Him. It will work out for the good, friends. And also, let me tell you, don't let the enemy steal your hope in your life. Because he will try to come sometimes and steal your hope. Don't let that happen. Because everything that's left of you and I, if I lose hope, it's just a lethargical couch potato Christian who doesn't get up anymore. <laughs> Because we don't have hope. Why should I get up if I don't have hope? Imagine a warrior or a fighter who would go into battle without hope. He would not even show up because he knows he has no chance for victory. Friends, we have hope in Christ Jesus. Don't let the enemy rob you of your hope. Also, let me tell you this, friends. We need one another to speak hope over each other. Look around yourself. There might be someone in this room who is really struggling this week. 
Was we struggling the last month? Was we struggling the last six months? Maybe no job. Maybe they were kicked out of the house. Maybe they don't have enough food for tomorrow. They don't know where the money comes from. There might be someone in this room. Friends, the worst thing we could do as believers without hope to just tell them, man, you're doing pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, there's no hope for you. Sorry, it's over. That's the worst thing we could do. We want to be believers filled with hope to go to a brother and sister and tell them, no, friend, hey, God is your provider. God is your comforter. God is the one who is a God of love. And lift each other up and carry each other's burden. Friends, that's what the church of Christ is for. Why we are here together assembled to carry one another's burden, to take the burden away. That's why we need unity in the church. If we don't carry each other's burdens, the church will fall apart. We need hope to carry one another and encourage one another. But ultimately, our hope is found in Jesus. Joe and the band, if you guys want to come up, as we enter into the altar call, we talked about being thankful, regaining your, your, your heart of thankfulness, we talked about the God of glory, how awesome He is. We talked about the spirit of wisdom and revelation to show us how to live and why we're supposed to live like that. We talked about the hope we have in Jesus. Friends, this morning, really, everything I feel as we enter into an altar call, it's not about coming to repent at the altar call, but to cry out to Jesus and tell Him how much we need Him. I want us all to stand up in this moment now. Let's all stand up as we go into the altar call.